are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. What is the Lord saying? That's the theme of our messages for a while. We're doing the seven churches of Revelation, and uh, today it is the uh, church of Pergamos, or Pergamum, however you want to call it, Revelations chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Revelations chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my, my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Remember, repent, or else I will come to you quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my, my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no man knows except him who receives it. Heavenly Father, let your word be a blessing to our hearts today. Let us truly hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. What the Spirit is saying to this church. And what the Spirit is saying to each one of us as individual Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. The church in Pergamos was facing persecution. As I said last week, this is about 40 years since the church began. And during that time, they had experienced revival. They had experienced some great, experienced some great times. But the enemy was working hard. It wasn't an easy go. Jesus commends them for not denying the faith. He encouraged them to remain faithful, to still stick with the stuff. Now, living in a city center of emperor worship was difficult. You see, one of their main gods was Caesar. To them, Caesar was God. And to claim allegiance to Jesus 
was to deny the deity of Caesar. And that made it very difficult to live. Very difficult to work and to make a living for your family in that culture. When Jesus says that Satan has his throne there, he means that Satan has found a place where he can exercise his evil influence. What do you think? Could Coal Lake be a place where Satan has found a place to exercise his evil influence? Could our community be like the community of Pergamos? Despite the widespread evil, they remain firm in Christ. They did not renounce their faith in Jesus, even when a man named Antipas was martyred for his faith. Now, you don't get martyred for being quiet. You don't get martyred for not speaking about Jesus, for not speaking up in the workplace. Jesus calls Antipas his martyr. He stood up for him. He stood up for Christ. And they killed him. And the church still didn't waver in their faith. But there's a very serious problem, and that's my first point. A very serious problem. Jesus said in verse 14, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Now, Balak was king of Moab. And him and all of the kings around in that area fought against Israel as they were journeying to the promised land. And God gave Israel the power to defeat a lot of those enemies. And Balak was afraid that his, his kingdom was going to be next. And so, in Numbers chapter 22 and 23, we are given a background for the teaching of Balaam. Jesus is referring to this well-documented Old Testament event in Israel's past. It was about a very frightened king and a greedy prophet. Balaam, a prophet, was offered a reward to curse Israel. Apparently, this man, Balaam, had much success as a prophet. 
and he seemed to be doing it for reward, earthly reward rather than heavenly reward. And so when he was presented with this request, Balaam inquired of God, and he was told by God, no, these people are a blessed people. I have blessed these people, and you cannot curse them. Balaam ignored God, and God used his donkey to get his attention. When Balaam couldn't see with spiritual eyes, when he couldn't hear with spiritual ears, God caused his donkey to speak to him. How far God is willing to go with his unruly saints to get our attention so that we will go in the right way rather than the wrong way. Each time that Balaam attempted to curse Israel, God blessed them instead. And he was pronouncing, he went to, he, he tried to pronounce curses, but he, but he began to pronounce blessing upon the people that he was going to be paid to curse. And actually the curses came up on, ba uh, on ba Balak and uh, his nation. King Balak complained that he wasn't blessing Israel. He wasn't cursing Israel. He was blessing them. And listen to the answer of Balaam. And this is something that you and I should keep in our mind. When some ungodly person says, I'm going to put a curse on you, or someone comes to you and says, do you know that those, this group of people, they put a curse on you? Listen to this. This is scripture. Numbers 22, 20. God has blessed, and I cannot change it. God has blessed, and I cannot change it. Seems to me that God's word also says somewhere that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Don't go in fear when the wicked of this world try to put you down, when the occult tries to put curses on you, when you are reminded of things that has happened in your, gener in your generational past, and you are thinking that you are, you are down there and you can never get up because of this curse, let me tell you something. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And you can be lifted out of those things. Those curses can be broken off in the name of Jesus. And you can be set free and you can pronounce blessing on those that are cursing you. You can pronounce blessing of the Holy Spirit upon them so that they will be convicted of their sins and brought into the family of God. There is nobody that is breathing a breath today that is outside of God's mercy and God's plan of salvation. 
And you and I have power to pray them into the kingdom. Balaam gave seven prophecies. And all seven were blessings for Israel. Seven times he tried to curse them. And every time he failed, but he blessed them instead. And so, it was looking like Balaam wasn't going to get any reward after all. But then he came up with a plan. Balaam then counseled Balak, the king, on how to cause Israel to bring a curse upon themselves. By enticing them with prostitutes and idolatry. The Israelite men fell for it. And the Bible tells us that 24,000 men died of a plague, a disease contracted by their sin. There's a consequence to sin. There's a consequence to compromise. Thus the term, he caused Israel to sin. They had a choice, but they didn't make the right one. So the problem for the Pergamos church, that there was no church discipline. There were some in the church who were preaching and teaching these false doctrines. The Nicolaitans, we don't see much about them, but apparently it was closely related to Baal worship. The leadership was turning a blind eye to what was going on. They were willing to compromise to keep the church together. And this is not wise. God don't want us to compromise. What was sin in my grandfather's day is still sin today. Just because we think that because certain people do do things that used to be sin and they're professing to be Christians, then it must be okay so I can do it too. Don't fall for that. That's compromise. And if we let it happen, and if we let it go on, you know what's going to happen? The whole church. We never, we never, and we let down the standard, we never graduate upwards. We go lower. We let the bar lower and lower, and lower. In the end, the church becomes a deadly mixture of truth and error, purity and impurity, good and evil. And sooner or later, the line between right and wrong, the line between truth and error has vanished. And there is no line there anymore 
And that's not what God wants. And when compromise is allowed to get its root, corruption is very close behind. Can you see? Can you understand the consequences of this? Do you hear what Jesus is saying to that church? We say, well, everyone is doing it. It's the spirit of the age. Of course, it's the spirit of the age. But it's not the spirit of God. We talk about in our Pentecostal churches, we like that scripture. It talks about having a form of godliness but denying the power. I'm sorry to say, we can go into a lot of Pentecostal churches. And that's a good description. And I don't want us this congregation, I don't want us to fall into that trap. Jesus don't want us to fall into that trap. That's why he has laid these messages on my heart so that we will avoid this. We need to guard against perverting the word of God. I want all people to come to Kolei Community Church. But our hope is that people will know the truth and be set free here. I want you to be able to tell your friends that when you come to Kolei Community Church, you are going to hear the truth about the Word of God. Even if there's a loud ouch from the congregation. Still, if it's the word of God, we will listen to it, we will heed it, we will obey it. And we will make the necessary changes in our individual lives until together as a body of believers, we stand for truth and righteousness. And we will not compromise. So we say, everyone is doing it. No, everyone is not doing it. I'm not doing it. Any time that I am revealed, something is revealed to me that I'm doing wrong, I'm quick to say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. Forgive me. If I do something that is publicly known is wrong, I'm going to say it publicly. But I don't need to air my dirty laundry with everybody. I have to go before God and I have to say, Lord, I've failed you in this. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I was wrong on this point. Lord, I want to do what's right. I see the light. I know what I need to be doing now and I'm going to do it. That's all God wants of us all. My gracious 
If we were to count our sins, if we were to count the times that we've done wrong before God, even this week we would probably, none of us would come to church. Amen? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Oh, I'm so glad for the blood of Jesus. I'm not responsible for the people who walk out when I'm preaching the truth. This brother is not walking out because I'm preaching the truth. (laughs) He'll be back. But I'm responsible for preaching and teaching the truth. I feel sorry for anyone who, who, who get their nose out of joint because we're preaching the truth. But if they want to go, let them go. That's okay. At least a seed has been sown in their heart. And a lot of times people go mad. They think it over and next Sunday they're back again. They're ready to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I try not to be a people pleaser. I want to please God. There are people who believe it is possible to live compromising lives and still be committed follower of Jesus Christ. This is contrary to the teachings, the clear teachings of God's Word. It don't hold water, folks. James in James chapter 4, verse 4, talking to Christians, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, we are the bride of Christ, the church. How would you like it if your spouse is spending the week with somebody else and came to you on Sundays? Said, I'm going to give you Sunday, honey, but the rest of the week, I've got somebody else. Well, Jesus don't like that either. We're his bride. And he wants us 100% soul out to him. He wants me to love him with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. Everything that is within me, loving Jesus. And if I'm one foot in the church and one foot in the world. That's not right. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, this is what it teaches us, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, every one of us, men and women, all of us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age.
You read that. I don't think there's any words that can be said. You can't restructure it. You can't paraphrase it. You just leave it like it is. Fresh from the word of God. Fresh from the mouth of God. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. When? In this present age. Right now. 1 John 2, 15, 17 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, it names it. You don't leave anything to your imagination. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh or the desire of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. Listen to this. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We gloss over those scriptures sometimes. We don't think, think, take time to, to read it and to meditate upon it. And then when someone says something that sounds good, we take it all in and we ignore what the Word of God says. You say, well, how do I know? It says, he who does the will of God abides forever. How do I know the Word of God? Know the Word of God. Know the will of God. How do I know the will of God? Know the Word of God. Know what the Word says. Compromise in the church doesn't happen overnight. People keep attending church. They keep giving. They keep supporting the church. But the church grows further and further from the truth, further and further from Christ. And over and over again, yearly, There's a bunch of us that have to do the same thing. Wouldn't it be nice if we all got revived on the same day? Wouldn't that be great? A very urgent plea. I'm going to, I think I'm going to be finished on time today. Now Jesus gives this command to the church. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my spirit. There are two words here, very important. I will come to you and fight against them. You and them suggest that not everyone is doing it. In the church, in Pergamos, not everyone was following Balaam and the teachings of the Nicolaitans. This verse 
does raise a question, though. Who exactly is supposed to do the repenting? Certainly, the false teachers need to repent. Compromise leads people astray. And if we're compromising, we, we need to realize and recognize the damage that we can do. Father, mother, if you're compromising, think of the damage you're doing to your children. Your children are no dummies. They're no stun poles, we used to call in Newfoundland. That's what Donald Trump would call stupid. (laughs) Your children are intelligent. In fact, they're more intelligent than you were when you were their age. And they know compromise when they see it. And if it's good for mom and dad, it's good for them. And what one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. So that's something to think about. If you're compromising, you're leading your children astray. You're leading new Christians astray. And you're causing older Christians to fall and to go astray as well. That's what my compromise can do. If I compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if I preach just nice fluffy sermons for you, and put in a few jokes and make you laugh, and let you go home happy, I've got to answer to God one day. Because I'll be leading you down a garden path that some of you may never return from. And that's not right. It's unholy, it's ungodly. The greater call then must come to the church itself to repent for condoning moral and spiritual compromise. And so we need to take a lesson from what we've seen here and say it's not going to happen on our watch. We're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for righteousness. The church must come to grips with who is she called to be? Who are we called to be? Faithfulness to Jesus is one thing we're called to be. Be faithful until death. The prize goes to the one, to to the overcomer, the one who wins the race, the one who completes the race. We are supposed to be a city on a hill, Matthew 5, 14. People that are not hidden, but plain for all to see. When there are moral issues in the community, when there are moral governmental issues to be discussed, we should be among the first to get a phone call to see what our stand is. 
And when we give a biblical answer, expect a little uprising. Expect to be known. You want to be known around Alberta? You want to be known all across Canada? Say what the Bible says and say what you believe. Say what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says and this is what I believe. Say it in a nice, friendly, godly manner. But stick to your principles. And we'll touch a whole lot more people than we're touching right now. We're supposed to be light in this world of darkness, Matthew 5.14. We're supposed to be salt of the earth, Matthew 3.13. This applies to the church and it applies to us as individuals because we as individuals make up the church. And every member, one member affects the other, the whole body. And thirdly, a very solemn warning. Maybe the church at Pergamos was saying, we desire to be known as a church where everyone is welcome and everyone's opinion is honored. And that sounds good. But to me, it's not very biblical. Welcome, yes. We welcome every man, woman, boy, and girl of every stripe, of every religion, Moral and immoral. Welcome inside of these doors to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. But if opinion versus the word, if the opinion is instead of the word, no. No. We stand for truth. Jesus warns that if the church do not take strong action, that he will do it himself. It's interesting to note that there is no mention in, in church history of the Nicolaitans past the churches of Revelation. Do you think that maybe Jesus came and took action himself? Jesus who said, come to me, also said, depart from me. But we handle every situation with Christian love and grace. When we hear gossip, we try to stop it, not spread it. Be a man, be a woman. And when you get that prick in your spirit, in your conscience, that tells you this is not right. I shouldn't be involved in this conversation. Speak up. Speak out. And say, let's pray about this. And like I've said before, if you ever get in a, in a, in a spiritual condition where you're referring to this church, you're attending this church, you're a part of this church, and you begin to talk about they, then you're in serious trouble. You're hitting for a downslide in your spiritual experience relationship with God. Because we are the children of God, and so are they. God loves us, 
And so he loves them. We need to stand up for each other. When there's bitterness and unforgiveness, we encourage reconciliation. If there's false teaching, we correct it in love with the Word of God. And we seek to teach Christ and demonstrate His character in our daily living. The goal is to help each person to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. The church's failure to exercise discipline brought the Lord's condemnation. And the sword speaks of Christ's unswerving judgment by his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Notice the sword is coming out of his mouth. That's his word. And remember this, when you read Revelation, Revelation is a prophetic book. You need to remember that when you're reading it. He sees through our facade. He can examine our heart and soul and mind and spirit. He can reach into the deepest recesses of our being. And he knows what's there, even when we don't. Amen? Even when we don't, he knows. And he loves me just the same. Cares for me. So in conclusion, what is the Lord saying to the church? Christ's message to Pergamos was a series of wonderful promises to those who overcome by faith. And these promises apply to us. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone, a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. The manna, the white stone, the new name, are rewards for the overcomers, for the faithful. It's not explained. It's holy presence. But we know that anything that God has prepared in eternity for his children is awesome. The Bible says that eye haven't seen, ear have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared. He's prepared for those who love him and serve him, who are overcomers. But the awesome reality of all of this is this. The very people who were compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ had the potential to be overcomers. This is the message that he has to them. Repent. That means turn away from it. That's what he's saying to every one of us. If you're into something now or you've been into something for years. If the Holy Spirit, if you've got ears in tune with God this morning and the Holy Spirit is revealing something to you, no matter how private it is, 
repent. Do you know that if you repent, it's all forgiven? You're starting a new chapter? And in God's book of records, if you truly repent, there's nothing there. Isn't that something? God is so loving. God is so kind. God's concerned for his church. You've got to remember, these messages are for his church. And God is not condemning in those, those messages. He, he's praising for the good things that they're doing, and he is giving a way out for those that are doing wrong things. And he's saying, repent. He who has an ear to hear, hear what he's saying. This message applies to me, it applies to you. Our God is loving and kind and forgiving and merciful. He extends his same grace to all his children. What is Jesus saying to us as a church body of believers? What is he saying to you? Are you hearing anything today? Ernie, what is he saying? Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen. What's God saying? As I told you last week, this, this, this message is a double whammy for me again this morning. God is speaking to my heart. And with all my being, I'm trying to, to listen and to hear and to do what he's revealing to me to do. It's changing me into another man. It's giving me a different spirit, a new heart, a new desire. I can't do anything about my past failures. I can't do anything about the years that I have been silent. With God's grace and the strength that he gives me, I can do something now. And I will do it. And I am doing it. So this morning, you're going to respond to him. Every one of us in this room right now, we're going to respond to God today. To what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. What the Holy Spirit is saying to you. How will you respond? That's the question. With a grateful heart? Grateful that you have found grace in Him? Grateful that you have learned to trust Him and to serve Him? Maybe you will respond with a repentant heart today. 
seeking restoration and renewal. Say, I want to get back on a close, close intimate relationship with God. As God said to the first church, remember from where you've fallen. Maybe you remember that today. You agree with the Holy Spirit. I'm nowhere near where I used to be with him. I feel cold. I feel like I'm on the outside somehow. I don't feel that I'm in the inner circle anymore. I'm just going through the motions. Today's your day. Come with a repentant heart. Ask for restoration and renewal. Or will you continue to compromise your faith? That's a response as well. I'm doing okay. No one's going to tell me how to live. If all you've heard is Pastor Hayward today, I feel sorry for you. If you haven't heard the Spirit of God speak to your heart today, I feel sorry for you. Don't compromise your faith. Only you can make the choice. Now, I have delivered the message that God has given me, and it's time for you to respond. I'm going to open the altar today. Only you know what God is saying. If you're here for salvation and you realize you're outside the arms of safety of God and you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to meet me before you go because I want to pray with you and lead you to a relationship with Him. Remember, you're responding to God now, not to me. Not to me. It doesn't build my ego. It doesn't hurt my pride if not one soul responds. It's between you and God. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father gave, the Son obeyed, and the Holy Spirit guides and leads and reveals into all truth. If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, then you come and don't wait until all the music has stopped. Start coming right now. In the name of Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.